This anointed teaching by Apostle Theo Volmerans comes to you from Christian Family Church International. On this wonderful Easter Friday, God richly bless you. And I'm so glad you came to church because if ever there was a time we need to be in church, it's this day because we remember that Christ died for us today. And so we've come to worship Him and show our appreciation and our love, our gratitude for this incredible sacrifice that our Creator made to redeem us. So thank you for coming to show your love and respect to the Lord in person. All right. Now we all know that we have a shadow. If Pastor Bev was standing in front of me and the sun was rising behind her, uh, I would see her shadow. And I would see the shadow and know that she was coming before I saw her. If I, reckon, if I saw the shadow, I'd recognize the shadow and know that's my wife. Okay, so the shadow is not her, it's a type, it's an example of the real. It's an example of the substance. Now, by looking at the shadow of the substance, or you might say by looking at the shadow of the real, we can learn something about the real. All right, today we're going to look at the Passover lamb, which is a type, or you might say a shadow, of Jesus, who is the eternal Passover lamb. And he was sacrificed on Calvary for our sins. All right, let's go to Exodus chapter 12, please, in your Bible, verse 1. I'm reading from the New King James Translation. The first time the Passover lamb was ever roasted in fire and eaten, which is an example, a type, a shadow of Jesus, was in Egypt. The children of Israel ate the Passover lamb the day before they came out of slavery. They were in slavery for 430 years. Now God says, I want you to eat this lamb. Let's go to Exodus 12, verse 1. The Lord spoke to the Moses and Aaron in the land of Egypt, saying, Speak to all the congregation of Israel, saying, On the tenth of this month, every man shall take for himself a lamb, according to the house of his father, a lamb for a household. Your lamb shall be without blemish, a male of the first year. You shall take it from the sheep or from the goats. Now notice that your lamb shall be without blemish. It's a type, it's an example of Jesus who was perfect, so this lamb had to be perfect. Now you shall keep it until the 14th day of the same month. So God says, I want you to go and find a lamb on the 10th day and keep it with you until the 14th day. 
So four days you are to inspect that lamb to ensure that it has no blemish or disease or defect. Why is that? It had to be a perfect lamb because Jesus was perfect. Jesus rode into Jerusalem on a donkey four days before he was crucified. And he was inspected by Pilate, by King Herod, by the Sanhedrin, and they found no fault in him, right? Pilate said, I find no fault in him. So he was a perfect spotless lamb. The lamb then that they were going to eat also had to be without blemish. All right, let's go to verse 6. Now you shall keep it until the 14th day of the same month. Then the whole assembly of the congregation of Israel shall kill it at twilight. Now why do they have to kill it at twilight? Well, the sun is setting and uh, it's kind of dark. That is the exact same circumstances that took place when Jesus died on the cross. God put dark darkness over the earth and hid his face from Jesus dying on the cross. And uh, so now this had to be done at that time where there was kind of darkness, right? And they shall take some of the blood and put it on the doorpost and on the lintel of the houses where they eat it. So the children of Israel had take the blood and paint the top of the doorposts and the windows um, and stay inside the house after doing that. When, when they were eating the lamb, they put the blood on the doorposts and on the windows and so on. Then they shall eat the flesh on that night, roasted in fire with unleavened bread and with bitter herbs they shall eat it. Do not eat it raw, nor boiled at all with water, but roasted in fire, its head with its legs and its entrails. Now, why did God insist on having this lamb roasted in fire and specifically tell them you may not boil it or cook it any other way? The reason is because it was a type of Jesus who was going to leave the cross in death while his body was placed in the tomb. He was going to be going down into fires of hell for three days and nights on our behalf, suffering in our place, our torture. And God turned up the heat, you might say, many millions and trillions of times uh, to punish Jesus for your sins and mine. Verse 11, And thus you shall eat it with a belt on your waist, your sandals on your feet, and your staff in your hand. So you shall eat it in haste. It is the Lord's Passover. So they had to eat it with the staff in their hand, the traveling shoes on, and this was their traveling clothes. They ate it quickly in haste because after eating the Passover lamb, they were going to leave Egypt. They were going to leave Egypt, come out of slavery. You see, that lamb, if it was going to be a true example of Jesus, would have to bring the children of Israel out of slavery. Because when we eat Jesus, the real lamb, or invite him into our hearts and accept salvation, we are transferred out of Satan's kingdom 
into Christ's kingdom. Colossians 1.13. Out of Satan's slavery into Christ's freedom. So God did that for them with the shudder. If they did not come out of Egypt after eating that lamb, then the lamb would not be a true example of Jesus. And when they came out of Egypt, the Egyptians gave them all their silver and gold. And the Bible says when they walked out, there wasn't one feeble, sick, or weak among their tribes. So God healed all three million of them if there was any need for healing as they ate the lamb and left Egypt. All that was because the lamb had to be a true example of what we have inherited through Calvary, through Christ. Praise his wonderful name. So if God, if they could receive all that through the shadow, then how much more can we not receive all that through the substance, the real Jesus? They got that before Calvary. Surely we can have all that after Calvary. Now then, verse 12. For I will pass through the land of Egypt on that night, and I will strike all the firstborn of the land of Egypt, both man and beast, and against all the gods of Egypt I will execute judgment, and I am the Lord. Now the blood shall be a sign for you on the houses where you are, and when I see the blood I will pass over you, and the plague shall not be on you to destroy you, when I strike the land of Egypt. All right, notice that God said, when I see the blood on your houses, I'll pass over. The death angel will not strike anybody in that house. Okay? That's why it's called the Passover lamb. Because God's judgment passed over that house because of the blood. Now, that's a type the real lamb, Jesus, is the true pass of a lamb. So God's judgment passed over you and me and descended on Jesus at Calvary. Amen? Because of the blood of Christ, you and I are forgiven and inherit the promises of the Lord. All right, verse 23. For the Lord will pass through to strike the Egyptians... And when he sees the blood on the lintel and on the doorposts, the Lord will pass over the door and not allow the destroyer to come into your houses to strike you. Praise God. No greater love has ever been displayed than this. When the creator of the universe became a sacrifice for our for his creation. Knowing how much our Heavenly Father and the Lord Jesus Christ and the precious Holy Spirit loves us, gives us confidence, it gives us assurance, and it increases our faith to know how much God loves us. In 1 John chapter 4, verse 16, we read, We know how much God loves us, and we have put our trust in him. God is love, and all who live in love live in God, and God lives in them. So to walk in the love of God is to walk in 
God. 17, and as we live in God, our love grows more and perfect. So we will not be afraid on the day of judgment, but we can face God with confidence because we are like Christ here in this world. We are like Christ here in this world, full with his love. Amen. Such love has no fear because perfect love expels all fear. So when we know how much God loves us, we're not afraid of the day of judgment. It's clear from this verse, because we know how much God loves us, we're not afraid to face him on judgment day. And because we know how much he loves us, our faith is increased. The Father wants us to pass this understanding about God onto others, impart this knowledge about God and his love to our friends and family who don't know him. Let's go to Romans 12, verse 1. This is now the New Living Translation. This is very important. I'd like you to watch with me in your own Bible. And so, dear brothers and sisters, I plead with you to give your bodies to God. Let them be a living and holy sacrifice, the kind he will accept. When you think of what he has done for you, is this too much to ask? All right? So Paul the Apostle writes to the churches and he says, I want you, this is inspired by God now, I want you to give your body as a living sacrifice. Now what's the difference? Well, Christ gave his body as a dead sacrifice, crucified, and that's, Terrible uh, circumstance with nails and the whipping and the crown on a cross with splinters. But he wants us to give our body as a living sacrifice, not a dead one, a living. In other words, he wants us to live for him, not for ourselves. That's what that means. A living sacrifice not a dead one. It means that we should stop living for ourselves. We should make a sacrifice of our time, make sacrifices of our resources, make sacrifices to spend time in prayer for others. By doing this, we are allowing God's love to touch other people. We are walking in the sacrificial example of Jesus, who did exactly that for us. We are dying to self. We are living the example of Jesus, which is the sacrificial life. The love of God compels us. Now we understand what Paul meant when he said, in Galatians 2.20, I have been crucified with Christ, it's no longer I who live, but Christ lives in me. That's powerful. He said, I am crucified with Christ. I no longer live. I'm not living for me, but Christ lives in me. He is saying, Christ is living his life through me. I'm just simply being a glove on his hand. 
a glove on his hand, a paintbrush in the hand of the master painter. That's all I am. That's what Paul is saying. That is the example of living a living sacrifice. It's only when I'm crucified that Christ can be seen through me. It's only when I stop living a selfish life for myself that I will begin to become aware of the needs of others around me. Only then will I be ready to help my fellow man and display the love of Jesus. It's in the death of the sacrifice that the love is seen. It's when Jesus hung on the cross and died. That's when we see how much God loves us. Likewise, it's in the sacrificial act of the Christian that Christ's love is felt by others through us. We make sacrifices for people and do things for them, and they can see it. That's when they experience the love of Christ. The devil is afraid of the person who is consecrated to the will of God. He has no hold on people like that. Those who have not died to self, those who are not prepared to be a living sacrifice, those who have or live a selfish life will find Satan has a large influence over their decisions. I want to say that again. It's so important. Those who, are, who live a selfish life just for themselves will find Satan has a large influence over their decisions. Those who are a living sacrifice those who are willing to submit to the will of God have great authority in this world. James 4, 7 tells us exactly that. Submit to God. In other words, be a sacrifice for Jesus. Live for him. Submit to God. In other words, die to self. And then it says, resist the devil and he'll flee from you. So once we become a living sacrifice, we resist the devil... He'll flee from us. We have authority because we are submitted to God. Those who don't submit to God live selfish lives. The devil doesn't listen to them. He doesn't pay any attention to them. Those who have not died to self, those who live a selfish life, read the Bible with the view of trying to find Scripture to justify their actions. But those who have died to self, those who are willing to be a living sacrifice, have hearts that submit to the word of God. They are willing to change and do what the word of God says. Raise your right hand and say this, I am willing to change. I'm willing to do what the word of God says. Therefore, those who have not died to self, those who are not a living sacrifice, cannot correctly interpret the scripture. This Easter, let's ask ourselves the question, am I willing to be a living sacrifice for Jesus? 
Am I willing to let his love be seen through me? Ask ourselves, am I willing to spread the love of God around? Am I willing to think about the many suffering and hurting people all around me in our world? Those who need encouragement, those who need a kind word, those who need prayer, those who need help in some way or another, this world is crying out desperately for the love of Jesus. They don't even realize it, but when they see it, it'll be meaningful because you don't see much of it anywhere. Paul said this in 1 Corinthians 15, verse 31. I die daily. I die daily. What's that mean? It says, every day I make a decision not to live for myself, but to live for Jesus. The things I want to do, I sacrifice that if the Lord wants me to do something else. Well, you might want to, you see, it's a beautiful day outside. It's Sunday. We've had rain all week. I think I'm going to the beach. Right, right. Are we a sacrifice? We know that Fred Bloggs wants to come to church. Why don't we go pick up Fred Bloggs and bring him to church? That's being a living sacrifice. Going to the beach on our own and forgetting about Fred Bloggs, that's selfishness. This is what we're talking about. Paul said, I die daily. He also said, as we read earlier in Galatians 2.20, I am crucified with Christ. It's no longer I who live. I don't live for me, I'm dead. But Christ lives in me. Say this, it's no longer I who live, but Christ lives his life through me. Let's close by reading Psalm 103. This is what the Father wants for you and for all those that you know. Psalm 103, verse 1. Bless the Lord, O my soul, and all that's within me. Bless his holy name. Bless the Lord, O my soul, and forget not all his benefits. Who forgives all your iniquities, who heals all your diseases, who redeems your life from destruction, who crowns you with loving kindness and tender mercies, who satisfies your mouth with good things, so that your youth is renewed like the eagles. The Lord is merciful and gracious, slow to anger and abounding in mercy. What a wonderful Lord. He has not dealt with us according to our sins, nor punished us according to our iniquities. Thank God he hasn't. For as the heavens are high above the earth, so great is his mercy toward those who fear him. As far as the east is from the west, so far as you removed our transgressions from us. So that my sins are as far as the east is from the west away from me. As a father pities his children, so the Lord pities those who fear him. For he knows our frame, he remembers that we are dust. But the mercy of the Lord is from everlasting to everlasting on those who fear him 
and his righteousness to his children's children. To such as keep his covenant and to those who remember his commandments to do them. The Lord has established his throne in heaven and his kingdom rules all over. Bless the Lord, you his angels, who excel in strength, who do his word, heeding the voice of his word. Bless the Lord, all you his hosts, you ministers of his, who do his pleasure. Bless the Lord, all his works, in all places of his dominion. Bless the Lord, O my soul. Well, praise God for Jesus. Thank you for the sacrifice of Calvary. Thank you for joining us during this episode of Living Life with Dr. Theo and Bev Volmerans. We hope that through this inspired teaching, you had an encounter with God. If you enjoy the teaching ministry of Apostle Theo and Dr. Bev Volmerans and would like to enjoy more resources, we hope you will visit our website at www.christianfamilychurch.co.za or for our American listeners, www.christianfamilychurchsa.com. 